Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the TF Podcast, where we talk about technology and finance, and that typically revolves around Bitcoin, cryptocurrency, and blockchain. Uh, please make sure that you are following us across our podcast channels, as well as on YouTube, and I am at JG Product on Twitter. Uh, with that, I'd love to welcome Cal Evans, uh, a, one of the top legal professionals in the space uh, when it comes to blockchain crypto, uh, with that, and, and Bitcoin, of course. So with that, Cal, please uh, introduce yourself. Hey, morning, John. Uh, morning, guys. My name's Cal. Uh, I'm an international lawyer. I specialize in cryptocurrencies um, and blockchain projects on the fringe. Worked in the space since about 2015. Um, got involved personally in about 2013. Um, always, um, always honest with people when I say, look, I, I got, got in much later than I should have and sold much earlier than I also should have. So yeah, yeah. everybody has the Bitcoin question, right? Um, but yeah, great to be here. Great to be talking to you, John. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, I, that's why I tell people don't take financial advice from me because uh, I buy high and I sell low, uh, <laughs> but but uh, I don't sell anymore. So um, anyways, well, this is great. Yeah, uh, it's great to chat with you. It's been a while since we've had a, t a chance to talk. Lots of, lots of interesting, fun things going on uh, in the world uh, as we see how cryptocurrency is, and more particularly, uh, Bitcoin is really... Um, uh, making a tear uh, as we approach the halving. Uh, but before we get into that, I'd love if you could touch real quick, um, you know, just kind of how you got into the space uh, overall as a legal professional. You mm. know, I, I imagine that like that trajectory is slightly different, right? Because, uh, you know, I, I can't imagine it was um, in vogue uh, to be a crypto lawyer, <laughs> um, you know, when you started. Yeah, you're right. Um, yeah, it definitely wasn't. I, um, so I was, I went through a, a real interesting personal time. Lots of stuff changed and I ended back up in the UK and um, I needed to work for myself. My mum wasn't very well, various other stuff was happening. So I needed some good flexibility and I decided I was going to set up my own firm. Awesome. I'm going out on my own. I was living with my parents again um, and I thought now is the time to go for it. So... I, I knew what crypto was, I really enjoyed it, but uh, I loved startups. And I was like, I'm gonna be a startup lawyer, I'm gonna help startups. And um, I, I took a billing rate card, you have a rate card, right? You know, you charge, sure. you charge. And my rate card reflected a startup lawyer helping startups. So I never like to use the expression whoring myself out, but back when I started up, I mean, yeah, I was hey, out. It, the, the best of us have done that, so hey, no exactly, worries. Right? <laughs> so, um, and, and I'm never ashamed to admit that. Yeah. And uh, I was doing everything I could get my hands on, you know, contracts for $400 or whatever. And um, I ended up, I remember my first month when I was like, yes, I can pay my, my rent, which was, you know, really just kind of going to my dad. Yeah. Um, and I was like, this is awesome. And then I had a project contact me and the project was like, look, I'm thinking of doing an ICO and you, you can file a trademark for us. And I was like, right, stop, stop everything. Tell me about this ICO. And, um, it was a company, a guy called Alexi reached out. He's like, I've got these great ideas. I want to talk to you about this fundraise. Everybody's doing it. And this was back in 2016. Uh, kind of early 2016. I was like, this is, this is awesome. And learn all about it, delve into it. And um, Alexi is, still is the manager and founder of Everett, a company called Everex. And they did one of the kind of earliest ICOs. And I did some of the legal work on that. 
Hmm. And so consequently got my name on the website, did a bunch of stuff and the ICO did really well, really well. And um, I took tokens, some tokens instead of um, taking payment again, pouring myself out. Um, but it was great and it did really well and it was a great learning experience. And I walked away from the end of it. I said, you know what, this is, this is all I want to be doing. Yeah. And I remembered sitting down with my dad one evening, probably drinking a bottle of scotch as we frequently did back then. And just said, look, dad, I, I love this crypto thing and I, and I want to get into crypto. And uh, my dad's response was, son, you're an idiot. Like nobody, <laughs> this, is, this is going nowhere. Like it's, yeah. it's a fad, you're going nowhere. And I was like, no, it's, I think it's going somewhere. So I genuinely, no word of a lie, set up that weekend, changed my website, edited everything, set it all crypto. Um, and that was it. And then because of the work I did with Everex, people would look at it, see me on the website, reach out. And then the industry kind of took off. And it was a little bit of right place, right time with a good gamble. So I ended up in it because of personal situations and my personal situations kind of reflected a lot of what crypto is, right? I needed to be able to send money internationally. I needed to be able to have the flexibility to kind of store value in something that wasn't in my bank account. Um, and it really gave me a personal freedom. So it all married together, um, twinning that with the fact, John, that, I can't remember if you know this about me, but I'm a not secret geek. I, you know, a video game. I mean, I got my, my gaming rig behind me. Like I, you know, I, pro I programmed at one point. So I loved the whole, and Boy. honestly, that was how I ended up in it. Yeah. Awesome. That's cool. You know, just, just cause you, you know, have experience on the legal framework, you know, revolving the ICOs, like, you know, you know, obviously that was, um, you know, for lack of a better way to explain it, it was volatile in the sense of like how, people had thought about that right and like a lot of these ICOs have lost a lot of their value and you know just kind of curious of like from what you know then to what you know now is what's kind of your overall opinion on I guess just even ICOs or IEOs or doing those type of fundraising mechanisms um, you know in regards to how we have uh, more legal context around it now mm. so yeah that's a really good question um, I've got there's my personal feelings around it and there's professional feelings, right? Because there is yeah. with everything. My, my personal feelings are that ICOs are not dead. They have just become more complex. And by that, I mean, people now don't think it's like, um, so in America, Americans have the expression snake oil, right? You're selling yeah. snake oil. I, I would say back in 2017, it was selling snake oil. It was, yeah. I have an idea for phone, give me a million bucks. If it works, we all get rich. If it doesn't, so what? Um, so what was happening was the mentality was wrong, but the idea was right. Crowdfunding with minimal risks to everybody and minimal regulation slash oversight is a really awesome thing because what did come out of that was projects that otherwise, uh, wouldn't have got funded or the owners would have lost their controlling stake actually managed to do what they do. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I take, for example, a company that we worked with that produced VR headsets. Um, they now use those to help train doctors, to organize, um, you know, all these kind of really cool beneficial things. But the owner kept 100% of their company, which was amazing because you mm -hmm. and I both know you roll into a VC's office, the VC wants 50, 60% for half a million bucks. And the whole problem is, is that the money stays with the money. Mm -hmm. So projects managed to get funded in a legal sense. I understand the risks and problems. I get it. 
people may get too drawn in, there may not be the correct information, there may be some serious problems, and there is a risk. And so people didn't understand that risk reward matrix. Yeah. So as long as people get it, and as long as the information is out there, it's okay. And, and part of what I pushed for when I worked with the UK government was to get a real oversight piece with all of this. And that oversight piece came down to basically, look, letting companies do it, but make sure the money laundering thing goes away because that, that doesn't help anybody. Yeah. So they did. And now what we have is in the UK, as an example, and there's other places that do this, apart from Estonia, because I'm going to be honest with you, I think the Estonia license is kind of bullshit. <laughs> but um, the, the UK now has a fully regulated FCA license. So you can be a utility crypto company that's fully regulated by the FCA in, in the city of London, which is fantastic. So it's like you're saying, look, it's a totally new asset class. And I think right. that's what had to happen. Yeah, yeah. And so, right, it's, it's putting some... Uh, uh, if this is a bowling lane, it's like putting the bumper rails along it, right? It's like, hey, like, we just need to make sure that the ball doesn't fall in the gutter. <laughs> Great analogy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, look, because there's always that one idiot that's going to turn around and, like, throw the ball in between his legs. Sure. And that sure. happened That happened everywhere. We saw that all through 2017, you know, 2016, 2017. That's all that was. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's interesting because, like, you know, my, my opinions have definitely changed on that, um, you know, kind of throughout, like, I, you know, where I was a little bit more bullish towards it. Now I'm a little bit less bullish, to be honest, on it. Or, or I shouldn't say bullish isn't the right word, but, like, um, it's less of my jam. How about that? <laughs> not, not my particular brand of vodka. Yeah, exactly. Not my cup of tea. How about this? Not my cup of tea. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I do find uh, the aspect of like in-network tokenization very interesting to me. Um, like when we start thinking about companies or brands or banks even uh, having their own type of cryptocurrency. Um I do think like the, 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 the fact of like having um, it be like have some association to a secondary market is slightly problematic, but um, you know, the fact that like someone might want to have like a point or a token or a cryptocurrency within that's used for utility. I feel like that makes a ton of sense because my background is in retail technology. Sure. And so it's like, it's just like a loyalty point. Right. So yep. no, it's really interesting. I just definitely love, uh, you know, getting your take on that overall. Um, you know, when you think about what's happening right now, uh, just in the overall broader markets, um, you know, obviously there's a, a global pandemic going on and that has dramatically affected uh, the economy, you know, globally. Uh, but we're seeing like really interesting uh, things happening in financial markets where like, you know, uh, stocks are kind of going up and down. But for the most part, they're, they're relatively back going in this positive direction. Uh, and then same with cryptocurrency. So, you know, I love your take on that. From, like on the business side, but then also I, I'm really curious on your take on it from like, what, what are we missing from like the legal framework and stuff? Like, is everybody playing within the rules? And, 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 and to start, I'd love to just kind of go on this uh, traditional finance side uh, and then we can get into the crypto. But, you know, I, I think about things like at least in the U.S., you know, the, the, there's the recent airline, you know, bailout and yeah. like, they're, they're like not, it, it, you know, they're, they're being, it's, it's kind of known now that they're not using those funds, for example, to go towards the employees or some of these things that they said they were going to. Right. Yeah. And people are still getting charged baggage fees. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. You know, I'm, like, oh, <laughs> I'm, I'm mind blown. I'm just, yeah. 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 Um, what, what are we missing there? Seriously. Right. I mean, this whole, first of all, 
everybody knows we are in an unprecedented economic time it's yeah. a cliff there isn't there's no gradualization here this is a cliff a record number of americans are unemployed and the bigger picture is if if people are unemployed people cannot pay their bills mortgage companies will not lend bank banking institutional lending forms anything up to 65 percent of most major banks which means that they are going to lose liquidity this is all showing us that somewhere along the way something has gone drastically wrong and i am look i'm a capitalist i don't care what anybody's personal economic preferences are i'm a capitalist i believe it works mm -hmm. but in order for capitalism to work companies have to fail the concept of a safety net doesn't exist in capitalism so if your business model doesn't account for a safety factor that's your problem right yeah yeah um and 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 it's messed it's, it's messed up the fact that companies can take 10 million dollars of bailout money and then pay their ceos millions of dollars is categorically messed up and that's where your your point kind of overlaps and i'll, I'll bring it back into the crypto sphere in a second but, yeah. but it really kind of it's all economic so it matters like your your point of you know companies oh, i'm still going to charge you for baggage and this we've seen the greed for so long for so long like like companies helping people is gone and we have to we have to really monitor that because when we lose sight of the the ability for a company to fail they get complacent yeah which is which is how the banks screw us over in the first place so the the reason i'm going on about this is because bitcoin came out of partly came out of the first crash the last crash that we all saw right we all know how bad that was the reason that was so bad and the reason this situation echoes it is because none of those businesses have learned their lesson right if they can go to the government and go help me i'm in trouble it's no different from being a teenager going to dad and being yeah. like i made mistakes and i need that i need help if those companies fail and they know they can fail their whole business model changes totally it's like, totally. It's like a teenager right it's like it's like you know, your teenager knows that they can spend that last 15 bucks because they're just going to go to dad and be like, dad, you 20 bucks. You know, the business model changes. And that's where crypto and blockchain comes into it. If you add accountability into organizations by running out what you can on blockchain, we know where that is, right? We know how that technology works and we know that the transparency that that can give. And companies don't, companies don't want to be transparent. Like right. they, they, they just don't. And crypto represents everything the other side of that yeah you know um so yeah you, you, you were talking about you know like that you're a gamer right it's like playing a video game and just knowing that you're never gonna die exactly <laughs> in the exactly. game right so it's like exactly. i have I mean, infinite like, lives let's, let's compare <laughs> call of duty to the real world right yeah. call of duty i'm gonna run in i'm gonna go for it i'm gonna kill five guys in that room you and i both know like in the real world you're yeah. not doing it because well yeah. And, and it's interesting because like, uh, you know, to tie it back to business, when you think about how startups, it's, it's been really neat for me to see a lot of startups, uh, you know, kind of just like thrive and work hard and, you know, they're not getting the, the, um, the payroll protection because they're not qualifying for it or it ran out or whatever. And it's like, you know, they're operating on, you know, basically just working their, their tails off. And it's like, yeah, I, I don't understand how that doesn't echo all the way up. You know, so it, it seems as though, obviously, if you're one of these companies, you probably have a very strong legal team. And my guess is that they're playing within the rules. They're just, uh, they know how to bend the rules to work with what they need, right? Yeah, yeah. It's, um, look, from a legal perspective, it's a very complex situation because you have 
something so so if we take america as a sideline and then we look at the rest of the world america has a lot of lobbying america's politicians are effectively paid for yeah and and that's a real situation that occurs here everything down from your your local sheriff right up to your state senator they're paid for and that gives leverage over a politician which in a pure capitalist market can have a healthy impact because it's people lobbying in the best kind of way, in a, in a backwards kind of way. But like from a legal perspective, you have to take into account the fact that the fact that this money is coming down from a government that is just printing money. Mm-hmm. And, and legally, legally, all of that is okay. Legally, the government, the federal government has the power to do it. The UK government has the power to do it. It's all okay. But then there comes to this real crunch time question of, okay, if we can just print money, why do we have taxes? If I can just make more of it, why am I taxing it? And I had a really interesting debate and just, just pausing everything for a second to think, yeah. about, right? No, it's an it's a interesting way to think. Yeah, why do we pay taxes? Seriously, the two things that are happening at the minute is the government is printing money and you are confined to your home. Now, the two things that happen if you are a criminal is that your civil liberties are restricted and your financial ability is also hindered. So this comes down to the question of why are we paying taxes and why are we sticking by the laws? Because if I break the law, I get locked away and I have my civil liberties restricted. Well, up until last weekend, we here in Southern California couldn't go to the beach. We had restrictions on leaving our home. So we were quasi under house arrest. Mm -hmm. And then if the government's printing money, why are we paying taxes? So this brings us onto the a much broader, in theory, question of what, why are we paying taxes and why are we sticking by the law? Now, common decency and like, you know, morals says that we've got to do that, so that's okay, we're not all gonna go out and do it. But if we home in on the economics, this is why a lot of the digital dollar stuff was put in the stimulus package, because the American government and every government knows that there's an element of the control that's being left here, that's being let go because they have to. Yeah. And the digi-dollar, which I, you kind of briefly spoke about earlier, the yeah. digi-dollar is almost like a way to wipe the slate clean. So, so what you might see happening in the future is the digi-dollar becomes the more powerful unit of currency because it's regulated and it's maintained, and the paper dollar actually becomes worthless because of quantitative easing and, and all this other stuff. Oh, got it. So what, kind of what you're coming from is that uh, not necessarily like that they're one in the same, but perhaps they're two, two different mediums of exchange. Yeah. So um, look at China. China's done some absolutely out there things with their digital currency. And the, again, the reason why I kind of got dragged into that big social economic side of things is because China's linking their digital currency to, to a social economical impact. If you do good deeds and good things, you get more digital money. If you do bad things and bad deeds, you get less digital money. So, okay, I get it. China's a very different model and a very different mechanism, but it's everything's intertwined. Everything. Yeah. Yeah. Everything that happens on the stock market, everything that happens social economically, it's intertwined. And legally, we have to, we have to be champions of that. We have to, because there'll come a time where, there, excuse me, there has come a time where the rule of law isn't questioned, but it has to be flexible. Because, because everything we, we discourage people with and we entice people with, the status quo of that has totally changed, has totally changed. 
Mm -hmm. Um, So we have to really be flexible with all of that. Totally, totally. So since we're going down this path on on the digital dollar side, you know, uh, I'd love to talk about the privacy and security that comes that comes or is or maybe even taken away as a result of that. Uh, Right. So, you know, it's funny how cryptocurrency is often used as like this or, or, or spoken of as a, as a tool for nefarious activity when like the actual physical cash is, is, you know, the most nefarious transactional method on yeah. the planet. Yep. Um, and so um, with the digital currency, you know, presumably there's going to be lots of uh, monitoring and tracking and uh, issues of that, right? Like in China, as you were mentioning, um, the digital currency is going to be tied to digital identity. It's not necessarily known if that's going to be uh, the case here, but you know, what are the privacy concerns that people should have uh, when it comes to thinking about what a digital dollar might be? Um, And then, uh, you know, does that mean that we're essentially every single payment that we make throughout is tracked, you know, from now on and you can argue that like that currently happens with you know visa or mastercard or whatever you're doing from 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 that standpoint but yeah. obviously this is a layer deep and then we're talking about kind of you know blockchain or, or or using these technologies that have this record management function you know for for this type of activity yeah yeah i mean that's huh a digital dollar any digital currency actually impacts the government more than it impacts ordinary people. So I've always said, look, if you're not a criminal, you've got nothing to hide. Right. And that's kind of genuine, right? You know, people, you watch programs like CSI and all these other things. And it's like, Oh, we found he has a bank account in the Cayman islands. And Oh, we found, we found, you know, all of these transactions. And that's when there's an underlying theme there. That's when they're looking at the bad guy. So like, like John, I don't know about you, but I really couldn't care less if anybody wanted to go through my banking history. I mean, to be honest, they'd probably be kind of depressed <laughs> like, and, and question why I spend so much money on just so much junk. Like that's the reality of it. And it's, it's true what you say, wherever there's money, wherever there's a medium of transaction, there's going to be bad guys. Like there's, yeah. there's going to be, and you see that it doesn't matter whether it's gold bullion, cocaine, dollar notes, it, it's all, it all has its downfall. And Bitcoin got really singled out. Like it got really singled out because it does have to a degree an added layer of privacy. And now that the governments have worked out, most governments, excuse me, have worked out that you can remove that layer of privacy or control it, that's where their big debate comes from. Like, do we maintain, like you say, a, a kind of level of anonymity where citizens have got the right to use it as they want. But on this other hand, we can delve down into it. Mm-hmm. And this, this brings in like a really big kind of heavy layer stuff legally of, of your, your rights, your constitutional rights. Right. How much, how much can you dig into my transactions? Because here's the messed up thing. And I, I spoke about this so many times. If we take these, or if we, take mastercard various other companies they're private organizations that handle our cash and we know like you and i know and and most of your listeners know that the big incentive of cryptocurrency is it is decentralized so you kill the banks and you kill card payment processes and all these wonderful things but the reason that's a good thing is if we think back to 2018 early 2019 card providers stopped you from buying cryptocurrency with your 
credit or debit card. And that's your money. A private company literally said, listen, you can't do that. Yeah. And that's so wrong on so many levels. And that's the big fear with a digital currency. That digital currency is, is going to go away from the, the, not the traditional banking model because that can't collapse because the, the US government cannot afford for banks to collapse, car providers to stop trading. Like it's, it's just not going to happen. So the digital currency is going to get integrated into that network. Sure. But then they'll keep that level of maintenance and control because they don't want that anonymity. That's their biggest fear. Um, and the government, like when they work out cryptocurrencies, digital, digital money removes quantitative easing. So their trade-off for that is they cannot, quantitative easing goes, all of these other things go, all of the economic models that are kind of dangerous die, but they get control. And the big question is this, look, is the digital dollar going to be successful? The answer is yes, because we are moving into a cashless society, like factually. Mm -hmm money will be digital. There is no need for us to walk around with paper in our pockets. It's kind of insane. Mm -hmm. But having said that, um, I don't think, prediction, prediction time, I don't think the, the digital dollar is going to be alone. The US government is going to have to accept that cryptocurrencies are here to stay. Um, nice. Factually. And they've got it now. It's been rammed down their throat. Boom. Here to stay as a medium of exchange. Like I can pay for stuff with it. So will there be money laundering will there be whatever i mean listen you and i both know right you've seen enough heist movies to know like when when designers build a better safe all you get is a better class of criminal right and that's all that's going to happen yeah yeah no i mean it's definitely an interesting point of point of view and you know just to touch on your what you're talking about like hey like you know you don't mind or you have nothing to hide and i i definitely get that sentiment and i though i agree What's interesting, I think, about all this is, and what we've learned in the, you know, call it the internet revolution, and, and particularly like around ads, right, and cookies, and like, you know, we all have these digital personas of us online that we may or may not be aware of, but we do, and that's how you get retargeted, or, you know, a lot of segmentation data on yourself, right? So, yeah. Facebook ads is one of the most amazing uh and when i say amazing i don't necessarily mean that in a good way but it's one of the most amazing machines at understanding segmentation data right so like marketers can can find the right people you know everything from like location interest everything because you volunteer all that information on facebook right you don't even know you're doing it that's the messed up thing right right and so you know i guess for me what's what's uh, though I, I totally understand that we will have a digital dollar, like, you, you know, you can't fight that. It's, you know, and though I don't feel like I have anything to hide per se, it's like, I don't want my information to be used against me, right? Like, or, or, or if, um, or I want to participate in, it. I think that's actually one of the things that I got me interested um, in crypto originally was like, kind of like that whole of participation in how, you know, your data is consumed or like the, the, the opportunity for that. I don't think anybody's really doing that well yet. I, a lot of people are saying that they want to do that and have for years. But um, anyways, I, I think it'll be really interesting to kind of think about that overall. Because, um, you know, if, if in turn, because we've seen over time that the, the fatigue to privacy um, 
grows greater and greater and greater and we allow more and more of our privacy to be available to where like you know i'm assuming if we went back in time and we're like hey did you know like this this and this was going to be public we'll be like what are you talking about right yeah. and so yeah. each thing becomes a little bit easier so yeah it'll be really interesting to see how that all plays out because um that's for me again the one thing is i just don't want my data to then be used as a decision making mechanism you know, against me, exactly, positive or negative for that matter, right? Yeah. Like yeah. from from how I interact in transactions on a daily basis, you know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, it's super interesting you say that because um, I worked on the on the original Facebook model when they first began designing their digital currency. It had a different name. It was it was very different to stuff, but um, and it was all very 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 quiet. Yeah. Um, they knew they worked out real quickly that you have to integrate the existing. Uh, financial world you have to I mean that's why they have MasterCard and all these other companies in there and you're right but Facebook have now worked out to a degree that they cannot just keep taking people's data for free right. like right. They, just, they just can't um, and it's interesting because I've, I've worked with a couple of startups that have played in this space and one startup in particular has patented some various things and within weeks within weeks Facebook is on their doorstep like hey, we'd love to enter into talks with you. Let's talk more about your technology. Um, because a lot of what Facebook does, as you have rightly said, is totally unaccounted for. I mean, Facebook's entire business model is predicated around, we take your money, we market it, we kind of give you some feedback, but we're not going to tell you the algorithm in the middle. Like, you don't, you don't really know where this yeah. is going. And it's like, so this, this is a statistic that 75 cents of every dollar in marketing is wasted because it goes to the wrong person. Yeah. And yes, one benefit of that crypto you can flip and you can say, look, one benefit of a digital crypto is the more it does, the more it's targeted, the more it works better, the more better information you get. But it's right. Like you say, you have to sacrifice your personal data, which yeah. you never want on a government level, right? No, no. Nah. Yeah. Yeah, it's just, I, that's, that's 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 awesome. I didn't really I didn't realize that you had spent time, um, you know, working on that. You know, I've been pretty vocal about. I, I think that uh, you know I've said this actually since they did it. I think Facebook just went about it the wrong way in how they presented what they were doing. Oh yeah. Um, and it was too grandiose, too big. It was like too uh, revolutionary, right? Yeah. <laughs> like you know, all they had to do, and I, I said this even from the beginning, is all they had to do is say hey, we really like our, our customers and we like our users and we realize that they, you know, exchange information with each other all the time and, um, you know, they might want to interact with each other. So we simply just want to reward them for the actions that they take in the system and we're going to provide a loyalty point for them inside of Facebook. If That's they just it. said, if they just would have said that, like we would have Everybody Libra right now. Yeah, and we would, we'd have Libra right now. Yeah, right? seriously. So, the, the comedy of it is, I shared a lot of that sentiment in fact, all of that sentiment. I shared all that sentiment, but I didn't word it as politically well as you did. <laughs> um, and, and that's why, as you can tell, I'm no longer a part of the Libra project. Um, but when it was early on in very early days, I mean, my, my premonition sitting around that early table when they had a lot, and I mean, they had huge names yeah. in that room, even just in my segment, because they segmented everybody. So you couldn't really work out what was going on, but you had to be a bit of an idiot to work out what was going on. Yeah. Um, and, and they segmented people, even in my room, was big names. And they didn't 
the higher up the chain you got, nobody understood it. The lower down the chain you got, nobody really wanted it. And you had this weird group of people in the middle who were like, well, maybe we will, maybe we won't. Like, like where, why, why should we do this? Yeah. And, uh, and the interesting thing is I made a premonition a long time ago, and I'll even show you the messages that we sent. Those, some of those bigger names that were in that group, and I won't name them, but some of the bigger companies that were in that group, my feeling was they were spying. They just wanted the information to uh, thanks very much and leave. Yeah. And consequently, they said thanks very much and left. Yeah. So, yeah, you could, the writing was on the wall for that pretty early on. Totally, totally. Yeah, right, exactly. It's like when if you, you kind of frame something in the, in the realm of like, hey, we're creating this to obfuscate you later. Yeah, just, yeah. just things like that. Just, again, I, I think they could have done all those things and you know, done it in a Trojan horse type of way um, yeah. had they wanted to. But yeah, it's just... Oh, I agree. Lo I loyalty, you know, and, and it's, it's what makes sense in commerce you know, anyway, right? Like every, exactly. every commerce company has some concept of loyalty and retention, cash exactly. back, whatever. But that, actually, that comes down to a really good point of what we said a few minutes ago. China invoking it. If a company like Facebook can issue their own digital currency and reward me for what I'm doing, why in theory couldn't the government? Like if I'm a good person, yeah. if I do, like if I have my good deeds and I get it's the, the pinnacle of, we have this expression in the UK, the nanny state, like, you know, you're being looked after. Um, it's the pinnacle of the nanny state. You're physically being rewarded for being a good little boy or girl or whatever you choose to identify as. Mm -hmm. It's like, but, but kind of should they? Like, I'm, like I get up every morning, I go to work, I, I pay my bills on time, I pay my taxes. Um, and why shouldn't I be rewarded for that? Mm -hmm. like, like there's a whole massive counter argument and that's why people in China have said yes people in China have said yes you know what I should be rewarded for that I'm a good party member I'm a good citizen of China I don't badmouth the leadership I don't and and they should be rewarded and it'd be really interesting to see if there is this like like shift in the US as we get more comfortable with well, Facebook are rewarding me and I'm being I'm getting yeah. government I pay my taxes on time. That's so interesting. Time. I've actually, I've never thought about that from a government level. And then like, you know, when you're saying that, yeah, I was like, okay, that makes sense. And then my mind started going, I was like, wait a second. But then what happens when you have like different, you know, political parties in power? Like, do you get, do you get more, more points as a yeah. result of like supporting party affiliation and things like that? Really interesting things to think about how that, how that plays out. Yeah. Well, you know, you know, one thing I wanted to make sure that we talk about is, um, you know, going back to like the Bitcoin and what's happening and, you know, there's so much attention right now going towards the Bitcoin having, there's a lot of really interesting, awesome companies that are just doing really great things in the space. Um, Bitcoin's doing a run up right now. And so, you know, it feels exciting like in 2017 right now, um, yeah. even though we're like in this crazy, you know, time globally. Um, what are we missing from a legal content, like, you know, back in 2017, like things were so exciting and people weren't paying attention to certain laws or uh, they were, um, you know, call it maybe like wishfully avoiding certain things. Yeah. What, what is, is there, are, are, are people doing that right now in a different context or like, what, what are some of the things that people might not be paying attention to, you know, that are either starting these companies or, you know, retail investors on the sidelines or, or, you know, what's missing? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, from 2017 to where we are, things have got a lot more institutionalized. 
Mm -hmm. um, you know, there's EFTs, there's, there's more advanced trading and it blows my mind. What we're missing from a legal perspective in the United States and anywhere in the world, we still do not have a solid legal framework. We don't, nobody's branched out and categorized what Bitcoin is or it isn't. I mean, it, it just doesn't exist. And so people don't know, for example, some states let you pay your taxes in Bitcoin. Some states want to tax you on Bitcoin as an income. Other states want to tax you on Bitcoin as you know, some kind of commodity. And so you either end up paying capital gains tax, personal income tax. Nobody's at a taxation level worked it out. And nobody knows. I mean, no one knows what it is. Like, like nobody knows how to do it. And laws can only be reactive. You can never make a proactive law. You can never legislate against something in case it happens. Something has to happen, and then you have to decide you don't like it, and a law has to be made against it. And all of that is fluid, and people forget that. Like when, mm -hmm. I, when I talk to other lawyers or people in this industry, and I point out, in my father's generation, the concept of smoking weed on the street with a permit or doing it legally was phenomenal. Like it was mind-blowing, it was not gonna happen but there has been a shift and it is now legal to do that. And so the same thing's gonna happen with Bitcoin. So what, what are we missing? We're missing real tangibility, like actual laws that tell people what it is and it isn't. Because if it was, if the government or whomever came out and said, look, this is legal, this is legal tender, then all of those card companies would stop giving you trouble. Most people cannot get bank accounts. I mean, yeah. I, I heard um, the CEO of, of um, Coinbase, and I don't know how true this is. It came from a pretty reliable source. CEO of Coinbase cannot get a bank account. And, and so now it's not, we have a massive problem with the unbanked globally, which is huge, which this solves. I mean, this solves so many problems. And, and nobody wants to legislate and make it easier to solve the challenges, right? But then on the other hand, you've got, People in the US can't get a bank account or like can't use their bank account. For yeah. That. So we are missing real tangible laws. And that's why, that's why I lobby. Like I lobby so much. Um, and I encourage everybody, like we've got to, as a community, grow up. And I've said that for a very long time. We can't just be this. We started as a libertarian idealism of free to flowing currency and everything that came along with that. And that's fantastic. But now we've got to grow up and, and we've got to get into the mindset of lobbying people, lobbying politicians, lobbying individuals, showing them the power of this. Because the trouble is, <clears throat> if the US government leads the way with this, we'll get their expectation of it. We'll get their model of it. Yeah. And from a legal perspective, that's the only one we can get. Because changing things and I spoke about this, I spoke about this years ago, but we're changing things from the bottom up. Like mm -hmm. the, you and I both know, three years ago, every major bank, every major government would have loved it if this disappeared. Yeah, definitely. And they cited Silk Road, they cited money laundering, they cited everything. But now it's, I mean, I can't even talk to you about local laws. I could talk to you about what Wyoming's done, I could talk to you about what Colorado's done. I mean, I met with the governor of Colorado when I was out there for ETHCON. It's, it's, it's amazing, but it's baby steps. 
Right. And this right. is dude, this is moving so much faster than that. I mean, we all know that. Yeah, it sounds. I mean, it sounds like really what you're saying there is that there's just way too much gray area, right? Like it's it's there's yeah. just so much gray area that like sure there's there's some um, call it precedent or some levels of of uh, ways to base your decisions off of, but for the like like what you're saying is you know some of these more uh, larger banks that might be more risk averse um, won't make a decision on it because there's not like a clear clear decision just yet uh overall exactly like, u- universal sorry universal across the states y- exactly. in this context exactly and i mean the real kicker of this is look when for example the sec has investigated some of our clients for doing an ico now i do not view i have never viewed an ico as an illegal activity um yes there has been some unethical behavior there has been some bad behavior but companies like that I mean, they, they, to a degree, stuck out like a sore thumb. And we had the, we had the SEC create a fake website. It was a fake ICO. Like, look at this. Look at what it is. I mean, they had no idea how to manage this. And whenever I've spoken to them in investigations that have happened with our clients, especially ones that aren't based in the United States, where the SEC have randomly got involved, I mean, my first question has been this. Show me a piece of U.S. legislation which features the word cryptocurrency or features the word digital token or digital asset. And we'll keep talking because that prevocates that my client or anybody has done something illegal. And it's, so here is, right, here is the biggest catch 22, okay? I'm gonna give you some insider, inside legal knowledge, like how do you get to a degree, massive disclaimer, I can't guarantee this works. This isn't free legal advice. This is Cal just talking to you, right? But how do you get the SEC off your back if you've done an ICO, right? If you're in the US, you've done an ICO, and you're, or you want to do an ICO, and you're concerned about the, uh, the, the SEC being on your back. And this is, assume, this is assuming that you've done things within like the, the, the framework of the law. You're exactly. not a bad actor. Exactly. You, you haven't gone nuts. You've just done a, like a good old-fashioned ICO, but I'm here based in the US, right? Pay tax on it. Right. Take the, take the money you raised, treat it as an income or a capital gain and pay tax on it. And then what happens is the SEC phones you up and says, hey, we think you illegally sold a security. Well, actually I didn't because it's not a security for X, Y, Z reason. It's a Howie test, blah, 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 blah. Yes, there's various case law on that. But for the most part, ICOs don't cross the threshold if they're done in a very specific way. And so you, the first conversation with the SEC goes, fantastic. When is an IRS officer going to phone us up or an IRS agent going to phone us up and give us our tax back or give our client our tax back? Because under the US Constitution, it's illegal for the US government to tax illegal activity because otherwise you justify it. You can't tax being a drug dealer because otherwise it's illegal activity. So we need our money back. You're telling us what we did was illegal. We need our money back. And I can guarantee you the IRS is not going to give you any money back. Yeah. So you, you, I'm curious if anybody's tried that. Yeah, we did. We actually, (laughs) genuinely, we did. We took a company. In fact, the specific company is in the state below where you're, below where you are. Yeah, below where you are. Um, they did a raise back in 2017. US company, US people did a, did a raise. Um, they pay tax on it. 
I will be honest with you, we weren't part of the raise and we weren't part of paying tax. We worked with them after. And then they started getting the information requests, all of this stuff. And that was it. The phone conversation with this particular regulatory body went, well, listen, I see my clients pay tax. And if you're telling me that's an illegal activity, my client's going to need a tax refund. So do you want to organize speaking with them about it or shall we? And, and what are you going to do? I mean, this particular tax payment was a significant chunk of change. Yeah. And so we've treated, the client treated it as selling a commodity. It's been treated as a commodity. They've paid tax on it. It's clearly not a security. It's just no different from buying points with my airline. Walk me through that. And in this particular instance, it was left alone because, yeah. yeah. Huh, interesting. Yeah. Uh, is there secondary market activity on, on that? Yeah. But secondary that, but, but that, I guess, technically has nothing to do with them, right? Because if they're secondary market ticket, you know, they don't have interesting. Exactly. Well, so, so the U.S., they do try saying, the SEC does try saying that under the U.S. code, you have, uh, excuse me, under the securities code, you have responsibility for the perpetual life of that token. Like anything you create as a security, it's your responsibility to deal with it. However, as I pointed out, uh, companies rely on third parties all the time. For example, if, if you are a publicly traded company, token form is publicly traded, you wouldn't do your own taxes. You wouldn't audit your own books. You wouldn't onboard your own shareholders. A broker would deal with all that for you. And so if that broker then turned out to be unlicensed, you wouldn't go after token forum for using an unlicensed broker. You go after the broker. Mm -hmm. So if you're saying, hey, you're selling, you sold an unregistered security, Actually, it's not a security. If those guys are selling a security, go talk to them. Yeah. And so that's where, again, it's a gray area. I mean, yeah. you and I both know they could lobby and sit down and write a law. Yeah. This is this, this is this, this is this. And it, it hasn't happened. It would make it easier, right? It, yeah, that makes yeah. sense. Crazy. Yeah. Man, well, Cal, this has been a great conversation. Um, one question I want to leave you with, um, it's a question I ask everybody uh, at the end of the podcast is, um, what is a question that you have uh, that you would like to ask our listeners or audience as they go about their day, uh, something they can be thinking about? Oh, good one. I like that. Um, if you had a magic lamp and uh, Jeannie came out, it was kind of lame, and only gave you one wish, not three, um, and that wish could only be to do with crypto. We'll call it the crypto genie, right? You rub the crypto lamp, the lame crypto genies come out and you have one wish in the, in the crypto universe. What would that wish be? Like, like you could have anything. I want Bitcoin to go to $25,000. I want a stable card system. That's going to let me facilitate transactions in every store I go to. Like you get one wish. What would be your one, one wish or one thing you could do right now in the crypto industry? What would you have? Hmm. I like it. I dig it. I dig it. Awesome, Cal. Thanks so much. Uh, what are some ways that people can stay in touch with you? Uh, yeah, you can, uh, you can check out our company website, greshaminternational.com. Um, you can find me on LinkedIn um, or you can feel free to um, shoot me an email. I'm kind of old school. Uh, it's just C Evans, C E V A N S at greshaminternational.com. Um, shoot me a message. I love to, I love to talk, um, shoot some ideas. So feel free to reach out. Awesome. Great. Thanks so much, Cal. Hey, thank uh, you.
everybody thank you again for listening to uh, our another episode of the tf podcast please make sure that you're subscribed uh, across our channels and you know if you enjoyed this show and our other shows please do us a favor and fill in those stars it goes a long way and cool. uh, share our podcast with uh, your friends and colleagues it's something i've always wanted to do can i do yeah, it yeah do it, it. Guys, hit the hit the subscribe button yeah the subscribe i think it's going to be on the other side like wait, wait where's it going to be it's going to be, be somewhere over there yeah hit the subscribe button guys <laughs> <laughs> awesome thanks <laughs> all right we'll see you all later thanks guys